Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, you have joined us on a great day. We are into week three of our series, Tales of the Kingdom, and we are looking at the parables that Jesus taught, and we're learning theology from them. Jesus told parables, he told stories, and he, he, he did it so that we would learn theology in a more easy way, that, that he wouldn't have to necessarily sit down and just disseminate all this information. He would tell a story and say, this is what I want my kingdom to look like. This is what I want the people who are going to follow me. Here's how we should be acting. And so we're going through parable by parable this summer, different ways that we see Jesus teaching us about how the kingdom of God works. And this morning, it's a, it's a great morning because we have a special song that we're going to have uh, performed for us in a few moments that reflects some of the ideas that we're going to get into. But first, I'm going to invite Dawn Bascom, and she's going to come, and she's going to read for us this morning um, the parable of the two debtors. Why don't you welcome Dawn? She comes to read for us. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sinned against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But then, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servant saw what had happened, They were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. And the reading. 
This morning we're going to get into the parable that Don read for us and look at what we can take away from this parable that Jesus taught us about how we were to forgive if we wanted to be followers of Christ. So if you're taking notes, you'll have a bulletin insert and you can fill in pen and paper that way. If you're not a pen and paper person, you can download the Portico app, and the notes are right there on the Portico app. You just go to uh, Alive in today's sermon, and you'll see all the the fill-in-the-blanks there, and all the scriptures are there as well. So if you are taking notes, the first one is this, that forgiveness is a universal need. In parables, when we see a king, when we see a ruler, here's what we need to remember. Whenever we see someone in charge, that represents God. Jesus was telling these stories to teach us about how we relate with God. And so when we see this ruler, when we see this king, we know this is God. And then we always want to find our place into uh, the parable as well. So we learn how to act and we're the ones that borrowed or we're the ones that lent. And what was common with both of those men in their relationship to the king and their relationship to others is that they had debts that they owed and someone was coming to collect upon that debt. They were going to have to pay it back. And the king will one day come to collect upon what you and I owe. This is what we read. John read it for us. Matthew 18 and 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. It's going to happen. The king will one day come to check in with us. Now it says in your Bible, it might say 10,000 bags of gold. In the version Don read for us, the NIV, it said 10,000 talents. Now that is not a denomination that we deal in regularly on our days here, here and now. So we did some research this week to look at what is a talent. And the talent was the largest denomination of money that was ever discussed at the time. If you were with us last week, we looked at the denarii and it talked about how they were all paid a denarii, which meant one day's wage. So whatever you would earn over the course of one day of working, that was a denarii. So now we're going to look at this talent and it's the largest sum of money they could ever imagine dealing in. So if we modernize the talent, it's probably about a billion dollars that this, that that's what we're talking about in terms of a talent. So if we go to this story now, we say that the first servant, how much did he owe? $10,000 billion, potentially a $1 trillion debt that the master, the ruler, was coming to collect upon. Now that starts to put it in perspective for us, doesn't it? I'm not sure what kind of lifestyle this man lived to rack up a $1 trillion debt. Maybe he's like, he's a big shopper. He likes shoes and he like, maybe he's a boat guy. He goes out and he buys yachts or a bad real estate. Per- I don't know what he did, but he racked up a $1 trillion debt. It would take, um, so, so 6,000 denarii, working 6,000 days is, is what we would know would be a, ta- is, was one talent. He's got 10,000 of those. It would be 200,000 years he would have had to work to rack up this kind of money. Safe to say what Jesus was saying was, He wasn't paying this debt off. So the king came back, looked at it, and said, there's no way you can ever rack up a trillion dollars, 200,000 years of living. You're not going to be able to pay it off. Now, this second man, we go into the the text, and we see what he said. He owed 100 silvered coins. That would have equated to 100 denarii. So that would have been four months' salary, working about a third of the year. So this man who was forgiven billions, potentially a trillion dollars, goes to this other man and chokes him over $25,000 or whatever a third of the salary would be, twenty dollars to $30,000. This is the context of what Jesus was telling the people on that day. This was ridiculous. Why would this man who was forgiven that much go and then 
give all this judgment over $25,000. Well, in God's economy, we need to know this, that, that when a person has sinned, they cannot live in relationship with God. There is a cost to repay sin, and that cost is life. It doesn't matter what the, what the amount of sin, we would equate different amounts of sin as needing more forgiveness. God comes and says, no, if you have debt, you are owed, and the only way that that can be repaid is by sacrifice. And if we, if we were talking last week about in the Old Testament, that's why they had to, that's why they gave animal sacrifices. All through the Old Testament, they were killing animals and they were paying the price for the sin that the people had because they knew that they were separate from God and they knew something had to die to make it right. And if there's a goat beside you and it's between you and the goat, well, sorry, goat, you lose. You're, you're, you're going, and we, and we think it's brutal. We think it's, it's this savage practice, but really... We forget how serious God treats sin and he, and he treats the debt that you and I have. Here's what we read in Romans 3.10. As it is written, no one is righteous. No, not even one. We looked at a, a similar verse last week in Ecclesiastes where we're all separate. And this parable, what it's gonna do is teach about the amazing grace that God delivered to humanity in the form of Christ Jesus for no other reason that he loves us so much. Jesus took the place of the animals, and Jesus took the place of what you and I would have had to go through. Now, baptism, this is a celebratory day. This is a day that we love, and we all get together, and we cheer on as family and friends and fellow church members. And these students, as we go down into water, we talked about this in our baptism class. They were going down, and they were symbolizing the death that Jesus paid for us. Now, we don't hold them there long enough to die. It's not literal death going on. It's symbolic, and then we pull them back up and say, no, you're, you're raised to new life, but this is, this is what we're doing. This is the symbol of why we do baptism this way, and Jesus called us to do. It's remembering the, the price that he paid for us and the common need that you and I all have for forgiveness. And theologically, sin is not even just what we do when we do wrong things, when we do things that we feel separate, from, separate us from God, it's actually who we're born with. It's, it's part of who we are when we're born. Now, we see sweet new newborns. Any newborns in the room right now? Are they all out in there? Good, you've all given them to the, to the nursery. My daughter's in this morning. She's top-notch, trust me. No. <laughs> Cecile's with her as well. No. <laughs> we, have, we see babies, and they're sweet, newborn, beautiful babies, and they're cute, and they're fun, but don't joke, right? When that baby wants something, it is going to tell you that it wants something. Ah! And, when, and when it's not feeling well, what's coming out of that baby? Let's not talk about where and what's coming out of that baby. That, that baby has no regard for you, your needs, your sleep. That baby is selfish. That baby is angry. That baby is cute and wonderful, and that baby is sinful. That's what we recognize who we are as humans in comparison to God. We are born with innate selfishness. We are born with a heritage of sin that is passed down to us. And here's what we read in Psalm chapter 130, verses three and four. It says, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Nobody is the answer, right? But with you, there is forgiveness. And if you'd ever like perspective on how good God is, keep notes on the wrong things, the bad thoughts, the criticisms that you make over the course of the day. Like, just go through and say, and say like, keep a record. Just keep it on a notepad. I, I got angry at this person. I, I yelled at this person because they can't drive as good as I can. The photocopy was jammed, and I, inside my head, I cursed out the lady that always jams the photocopier because she does it the wrong way, or, or you, didn't like, you didn't like the way this person was dressed. And then look at it at the end of one day. 
and then crumple it up and throw it away if you say, Lord, forgive me of those sins, because that's what God does every day for us. And in fact, he sent Jesus before we ever even went through that process, because forgiveness is a universal need that we all have, which is why it's so important that we remember that not only is it a universal need, but forgiveness is an expression of mercy. And we hope that the longer you follow Christ, the more your life will look like his. That's what, that's what we hope that you continually grow every day in your ability to love like he did, to live like he did. Before I met Jesus, I came to Christ in my teenage years, and I started a, a faith journey 20 years ago or so. And before I met Jesus, I was, I was rude. I had a foul mouth. In fact, when I first started coming to church, the church kids warned Amanda to stay away from me, didn't they? That's truth, right? Yeah, they said, don't get away from that Ricky. He's a bad bad kid. He, he, he talks bad. And he does. A, they looked at me and they said, no, 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 you, you, don't, you don't measure up. You, you don't need to get aligned with that. M- maybe I was a bad kid. Now I just keep all the bad thoughts to myself. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Hopefully as the days go by, we, we become more refined in our faith, that we, we start to turn over different parts of our life that we withheld before, that we become more ethical in business, that we become generous with our giving and our finances, that we care for other people. That's what we hope. But the danger is this, that we risk creating a scenario in our minds that we think, now my life is in a place where I've earned forgiveness, where I've done something good enough and I've lived well enough that Jesus loves me now that he'll forgive me. And we forget what it felt like when we first came to Christ if we followed him long enough. Or we forget what it looks like when a person should be encountering Christ. The longer we attend church and follow Jesus, the more in danger we are of presuming ourselves as earning the right to be forgiven. And Jesus regularly went to people who everybody else thought didn't deserve forgiveness. If you look through the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those first four books of the New Testament, he intentionally went to people who other people said, you shouldn't forgive them. And he went to a prostitute who was caught in a very act and said, I don't condemn you, so just go and sin, don't sin anymore. He went to a murderer. You look at Paul, Saul, this amazing transformation. We looked at his story a few weeks ago when we were doing our Heroes and Villains series, and he gave him the right to become an apostle and a church leader. He was dying on a cross, and he looked at a thief and said, today you'll be with me in heaven. People that didn't deserve forgiveness, he specifically targeted them and said, I want people to know that I forgive them. And these are people that hadn't earned their place in their world like the disciples thought they were earning their place. They even went to Jesus and said, you know, when the time comes, will I be at the, the right hand and you be at the left hand side or my, your right, my left, whatever? Will I be at, on the other side of you? They were thinking they were earning their place with Jesus, but it's gifted to us. Our, our, our faith is such that Jesus came and gave it when we were undeserving. And when we look at this parable, the man who owed the giant trillion dollar debt, he didn't earn forgiveness. In fact, it says that the king took pity on him, had mercy on him. We see that in verse 27. He had pity and he canceled the debt and he let him go. We don't earn anything. And the problem is that in our world, we do earn things. Who's a Blue Jays fan in the room? 
Where are my Blue Jays fans? Long-time Blue Jays fans. That's right, long-time Blue Jays fans. We suffered through years of when our greatest hero was John McDonald, right? And he was like the scrappy little second baseman. He hit 220, but we really liked him because he tried hard. And then we had years of no playoffs and 15,000 people at the Rogers Center and tickets were still expensive and coffee was $7 and a hot dog was $10. And it was horrible and we went. And then last year they made the playoffs And everybody's cheering, everybody's loving it. And since like last August, they've been the best team in the major leagues and we're loving it. And we go to the Skydome now and sometimes we can't even get tickets into there. And we're sitting beside this 15-year-old kid with a Josh Donaldson hat on turned sideways and a little man bun. And we go, you have no idea how much I have earned my seat here in the Rogers Center. I have suffered through these black uniforms and these horrible days and, and bad tickets. And you just showed up here and thought you could cheer the Blue Jays on. And you Yes, he has the right, right? He has, anybody has the right to cheer on the Blue Jay, but we think we earn something. It, no, we don't, we, don't earn, we don't earn anything. Our world is one that it's gifted to us. And in church, when we try and apply this principle, we think the more times you tithe, the more times you attend church, the more times you're Christ-like, you haven't earned anything. There's no seats on the chairs. There's no, there's no rights to being up on stage to coming to read the Bible, to coming to pray. There's no, there's no rights that we earn. It's all gifted to us. Do you ever start to pray and you start, like, you, you sound like you're defending the reasons that you deserve to get what you're praying for? It's kind of like this. You go, Lord, you know I regularly sacrifice my Sunday morning sleep-ins for you. you And you, you saw that I tithed on my tax return and I tithed on that lotto ticket winning last week. You know that. You, you saw me put that in. God, I even serve in the kids' ministry and the kids with the snotty noses, I don't exclude them. I love them just as equally, Lord. And with, with that in mind, could you just get my supervisor at work removed? Like, you don't need to kill him or anything or, or just move him out of the, the uh, department or have him fired or something. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday. Good, all right. <laughs> we, we make a case why God thinks, why, why we think God should forgive us, why God should, why, why God should listen to us. And if you're keeping a checklist of all the good things you've done, you can stop because we don't earn our place ever. And the funny thing in this parable is that the man who owed the original debt, he had a trillion dollar debt. And Jesus was juxtaposing it saying, we have this giant debt and we look at other people that may not have as big of a debt as we do and we, and we judge and we say, you don't, haven't earned it. But the message of this parable really is that we all fall short and we're all equally forgiven by the king. And God's standard is such that we would never be able to pay up. And that's why we don't focus on our good works and how we measure up for him. Our debt is so great. Here's what Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 says. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you and I have been saved. And this amazing act of forgiveness demands that we live differently. This, this man had been forgiven And he was still owed money, right? He, he had been forgiven the trillion dollar debt. Now he still was owed one third of a year of salary. So this is a significant debt that this guy, obviously he couldn't just go and pay it off very quickly. So he, he had every 
earthly human right to go and demand that this person pay up because that's the way the world works. Even if forgiveness, even if mercy is given to us, we don't necessarily have to pay it forward. A Canadian law doesn't dictate that, right? The law of the kingdom sure does. The law of the kingdom says you forgive because you've been forgiven. It demands that we forgive others. Here's what we see in verse 33 and what Don read for us this morning. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had on you? And whether we feel like we've been forgiven a lot, whether we feel like we've been forgiven a little, it's equal. And it demands that we do life differently as a church and as a Christ follower. Living a life for the kingdom of God means putting aside anything that would be beneficial for me, anything that would feel this is the way I want it and this is the way it should be for me and put others before us, remembering that we're to offer the forgiveness. And full investment in making sure that people who need to hear about the message of forgiveness hear it from us. Now last week, we had an unbelievable experience that we hosted this Edel Fitter uh, event at the, main, at, the, at, the, at the Mississauga campus. We invited 200 Muslims to come and celebrate Eid. Why? Not because I wanted to celebrate Eid and the fasting and the, and the honoring of Muhammad and Allah. I didn't want to celebrate that. You know what I wanted to celebrate? I wanted to get to know a whole bunch of people that I believe need to hear who Jesus is. So we made food and we had games and we had fun. And we have had email after email after email this week of people saying, thank you so much for inviting us into your church. I would have never thought that I would have been invited into your church. And, and at, that, at that meeting, we told them the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you know the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's this, that there was a Jewish man who was brutally beaten and left on the side of the road, left for dead, and two people who shared his faith and shared his religion walked by and didn't do anything. They had other things to do. But the one who was not sharing faith, that's whom Jesus called a neighbor. That's whom Jesus called brother. And we looked at all of our friends who had come in totally sharing a different faith and said, we want you to join with us on our journey to find out who God is, and we'll call you brother. We'll treat you with love and respect. Why? Not because I honor faith, because I honor that person. And if I've been given forgiveness before I deserved it, why don't I offer that same forgiveness to another person who needs it before doing anything to earn? That's the struggle we go through, right? Last weekend, there were, or two weekends ago, we had the Toronto Pride Parade, and we had our prime minister marching, in, marching in, the, in the Pride Parade. We had our police department going over and above to make sure that the LBGTQ community felt loved and accepted and important. And sometimes as a Christian church, we don't go very far at all to say, hey, you're an important person that Jesus died for and loves. And don't hear what I'm not saying, Okay. What I'm not saying is that we compromise our faith and we compromise our principles on the journey. Our lives, when we learn who Jesus is, when we hear the message, every day this should more and more look like who Jesus is. But when we start out on the journey, we may owe a $1 trillion debt that we could never pay up. And the king still went and said, come on in, I'm going to forgive you of this debt without ever doing anything to deserve it. What is the mission of our church of Portico? Who knows the mission statement? Yeah, we got it. <laughs> Pastor Doug will be so happy. We'll get a gold star. Helping people find their way back to God. You know, we miss this sometimes, and we think that the mission of, of a church should be this, helping people who already found their way back feel more comfortable. 
We would be more comfortable if all we did was do things that, that were good for us and we celebrated, the, the, that we had, we'd have baptism, we'd sing worship songs and we'd celebrate together. But that's not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to say, go find people who need to be forgiven and tell them they've already been forgiven. Jesus already paid the price and all they have to do is say, ah, I get it now. And they can follow. That's the free forgiveness that's offered. And Matthew 18, 21 and 22 says this. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? How many times should I forgive a person that sins? Is it 70 times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times. And remember, Peter was a fisherman, so he couldn't have done math. But 70 times seven. (laughs) He says, no, you don't make a list of when a person deserves the forgiveness, the love of God. You just know that it never ends. And every day they're offered the same thing. One of the most powerful freeing acts you can ever participate in is to offer forgiveness to a person who doesn't deserve it. I want to watch a short video this morning so that you can consider the people that you live with. Maybe it's your family. They don't share the same faith as you. Maybe it's your colleagues and you're just on this journey together and, and you know, they're on a different place than you are. Maybe even in your church, somebody that you're like, I haven't been able to offer forgiveness. You've determined that there's a group of people or an individual who doesn't deserve the forgiveness, doesn't deserve another chance. It might even be this morning that as you sit in a church service like this, you feel that you personally, your life is too far gone from ever receiving the forgiveness that Jesus freely offers. I want you to remember that nobody needs to do anything to earn forgiveness. Forgiveness is freely offered, and so it should be freely given. And this is the lesson of the parable of the forgiven debts. So this morning, we, we, we would be lost if we missed this opportunity just to offer uh, a moment of self-reflection and say, Lord, is there, is there a person? Is it me? Is it somebody that I separated from your love? So with Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The band just plays softly in the background. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us right now, just as we close this service. And God, forgive us for not offering the same forgiveness, whether it's somebody that we think has wronged us, whether we think it's somebody that just doesn't deserve your forgiveness. God, whatever it is, we offer that back to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, Lord, if, there, if we were worth it to you, then they're worth it to you. And if we receive your love, then anyone can receive your love. And God, God, help us to live every day looking at every individual that we see, whether they've wronged us, whether we feel they've separated themselves from you in the name of Jesus. Can we just see people as people whom you love? Can we just see people as, as your highly beloved sons and daughters that you sent your son Jesus for that deserve absolutely 77 times 7 chances again and again to do the right thing, to learn who you are. Father, would you just help us go and live as people of the kingdom the way that you've called us to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you don't even hold it against us this morning when we forget to do that. (laughs) And thank you for the, the forgiveness that we are receiving right now. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.